We use our phones for everything at this point, and I am absolutely guilty of that. I look up recipes on my phone. I meal plan on my phone. I use my GPS, even though I know where I'm going. (laughs) (laughs) But did you know that you can also use your phone for some sexy me time? Don't worry. Your fantasies are safe with Dipsy. Just don't forget to use your headphones. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with vampires, Greek gods, and fairy smut to explore the bounds of your pleasure. New content is released every week, so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. They also have soothing sleep stories, wellness sessions, and sexy written stories to read. Let Dipsy be your go-to place to spice up your me time. Explore your fantasies, relax and unwind, or even heat things up with a partner. For listeners of our show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash justbreakup. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipsystories.com slash justbreakup dipsystories.com slash just break up. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And today we're going to answer a letter from somebody who is mourning a complicated loss. But Before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that Sierra and I are not licensed mental health practitioners. Mm -mm. We are just two fools with microphones. (laughs) That's true. That's true. I do have some like personal advice that's related to this letter because like both our dads are dead, (laughs) but like that's it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So Sam and I are not professionals. We are not trained in this. We are just... Talking about our own lived experiences. Uh, so please take our advice as you see fit. We are only here to offer our humble musings to hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs about the incredibly rewarding but mostly confusing experience that is love. All right, everyone. Our letter today comes from Sir Cryzalot, whose pronouns are she, her, who is writing from Depression City, baby. Baby. (laughs) Baby. Dear Sam and Sierra, I'm not sure where exactly to start, so I'll get to the chase and then thank you for the help that you and your advice has provided so far. The last few months have felt like one bad thing after another. I'm an Enneagram type two and who boy asking for the help I need is challenging. Hey, yo. (laughs) (laughs) I felt like an emotional drain on my partner and my friends. Then this past week, my biological father died suddenly and unexpectedly. He had severe mental health issues, internalized self-loathing, and addiction issues that made him estranged for a large part of my life. But child me didn't understand the why and why he was gone, and I always wanted him back as my dad. When I was a teen, I was angry he wasn't around. When I was an adult, I had to establish and maintain boundaries with him. No 30-message messenger bombs at 3 a.m., no trash-talking my mother, and an unspoken, I am not ready to see you right now. 
The last year, I had gotten more comfortable messaging him, letting him know about my life. He told me about his hopes and plans for the future, like regaining his nursing license, losing weight, spending time with me and my sister. He had been getting better and had been seven months sober when he passed away. My adoptive dad has been in my life since he and my mom got married when I was three, and he adopted me in middle school. He's been the one I've called dad for a long time. Your advice and the way you talk about the complexities of people and their wounds has helped me tremendously in changing how I see people. We're all flawed. We all have wounds and we're all only trying our best with the tools we have. I'm now struggling with complicated feelings. My partner and friends and family know we weren't the closest and are now confused about how and why his death is hitting me so hard. I myself am confused about this deep hurt. I don't regret the boundaries I set and I'm glad I messaged him with love and kindness. I feel guilty for my grief because I love my real adoptive dad. I I feel crushed because I saw how my biological dad was getting better and respecting my boundaries. And now I'm just left with the dreams of a man that few others care about. I'm grieving for my inner child and I'm grieving for there's a tragedy in seeing how far he came and was going only for it to be cut short. My therapist has been helpful, but I would love your thoughts. I guess my questions are one, how do we grapple with grieving complicated relationships that no one seems to understand? How do I stop feeling guilty about leaning so hard on my support system? What do I do with the wound that is all of these hopes for the future that he and I had? Mm. Thank you so much for everything. Oh, my darling. Thank you so much for trusting us with this letter um, and for listening. I think you're absolutely right. You're not just grieving this, you know, the journey of this very flawed man. You're grieving the idea of fatherhood and you're grieving for that little girl, um, for all of those childhood wounds that he is a Mm -hmm. part of, that he's stitched into, have sort Mm -hmm. of been like torn open with his passing. So of course, there's a lot of complicated feelings flooding your nervous system and your heart right now. For sure. Um, So Sam and I are going to dive into this very touching letter, um, but first we need to take a very quick break. All right, y'all know that Sam and I record every single episode of Just Break Up virtually. So I literally see this beautiful person on Zoom like multiple times a week. And every time Sam pops up into Zoom, I comment on their outfit. And I swear, like 99% of the time, I'm like, oh my God, that outfit is so cute. Where did you get it? Sam says quince. You too can upgrade your wardrobe with luxury essentials at unbeatable prices. Quince is here to transform the way you shop with a range of high quality items priced within reach. That's right. They have 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middle person and passes that saving on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Y'all have heard me talk about my leather bag that I use as both a laptop bag and a diaper bag. And I love it because (laughs) (laughs) honestly, it looks really cute in every single circumstance that I use it. 
Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's quince.com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. All right, head and heart workers, you know I'm all about tackling our money shame and becoming fiscally empowered, regardless of how much money we make or how much debt we have. I think it's such a crucial step in our own self-acceptance and empowerment. That's why I love that today's episode is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. With Rocket Money, you can see all of your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, you can just cancel it with a tap. You never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled unwanted subscriptions. And listen, we always talk to you about like conflict styles and open and honest communications, but honestly, save your energy and get Rocket Money to cancel those subscriptions for you. <laughs> Stop wasting yeah. you money. You don't need to practice that. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need to do head and heart work with like customer service representatives. You know what I mean? Like just like... Use the middle person. (laughs) Just get Rocket Money in there to help you do what you need to do. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. That's rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. Rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. All right, everyone. Welcome back. Um, Sir cries a lot. I'm sorry that you're crying a lot. I know that this is a really, (laughs) a really hard thing to grapple with and a really hard thing to feel like you have to hold all on your own, right? That idea that, um, that you're somehow alone in this and that people don't and won't understand that they can't hold it, that you have to hold it all yourself. Cause if you hand off a little bit of it, it'll overwhelm people. Cause it feels so overwhelming to you. Um, and I think what is really complicated about this whole situation is that you are not necessarily even grieving the parent that you had, right? I think that you're really grieving the hope for yes. a parent to have been different. Um, and I think probably part of it is is the hope and the wishing that he had been different when you were a kid, that you, the hope that you had in wishing that you hadn't had to establish those boundaries with him, that he could have just been a dad that you could love without necessarily needing to make sure that there were firm distances between you. And you're grieving the hope that something could have been different in the future, right? There's like a past, a present and a future hope that has been dashed by the passing of your dad. Um, and so I think it can be really hard when you're outside of that, your friends, your family, other folks that may be around you to look at it and say, well, your relationship with your dad wasn't that great. So like, why is this such a big deal for you? But again, you're not necessarily mourning the person you're mourning the promise of what that person could have been in your life. And Mm -hmm. that is a huge insurmountable loss. Like that is a hard, hard thing to hold. Um, so I just want to say that, like, 
I see you in that. I obviously can't understand it because I haven't lived your life, haven't been in your body experiencing this relationship. Um, but I do see how big it is and how much of it you are holding for yourself. Um, and I, and I want to just say to you that like, I see how hard this is for you and I see how isolated you're feeling because of this. And I see how it feels like no one's ever going to understand this. And, and I, and I'm hearing how difficult and challenging that is for you. I want to speak to, you know, the conflict you're feeling over your emotional response to the passing of your biological parent and uh, the love that you have for your adoptive father. Um, It makes so much sense to me, right? It makes so much sense to me that you're, that, it makes so much sense because the human heart has extreme capacity to love and extreme capacity to feel guilty mm-hmm. <laughs> about mm-hmm. said loving. Um, it makes sense to me that you are feeling, you know, like, why am I having all these big emotions for somebody that I wasn't that close to with? And yet, um, and also I have this other dad that was there for me, whom I love, who I respect, you know, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And also I'm here to like tenderly and lovingly remind you that our hearts are not that black and white and we have an infinite capacity to love it. You know, there are children, there are many ways for a family to exist. There are Mm -hmm. multiple ways for families to be made. And there are families out there with multiple fathers. There are families out there with multiple parents. There are families out there with no parents and just elders or community members. Mm -hmm. And so the idea that you're supposed to only love one father figure at a time, or that only one person can fill this particular place in your heart is a really unrealistic expectation to put on, you know, that vessel that is capable of so much um, infinite love. Right. And mm-hmm. I know, you know, this, but just say to yourself, like, there's no conflict here. My love for my, my father, my adoptive father is not in competition with the grief I feel for my biological parent, right? There's no competition here. There's no conflict. I feel like my anxiety is telling me that there's a conflict because my two-ness, because my, um, my sensitivity is trying to tell me that like, I have to feel feelings that make sense to other people. Like that's your (laughs) gift to their world. And I'm here to tell you like, that is not the way of things. You're going to feel things that don't make sense to other people, but it's not for them to understand. And I, Mm. I would even say that to your loved ones when you're asking for help, when you're saying, when you're crying again and you're feeling self-conscious about it, you don't have to fit your crying or your grief into a specific shape or form that they recognize. You can say, you don't need to understand this. You don't have Mm -hmm. to understand this. I know this might look weird from your perspective, but this is what I'm feeling. They don't have to get it. They don't have Mm -hmm. to get your grief in order to give you permission to grieve it. And if they do, let Sam and I give you permission. You have permission Mm -hmm. to grieve. I'm, I'm, I'm giving the full stamp approval very grief worthy life experience right here. I'm going to buy a stamp that says that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that like, um, this sort of, this kind of competition that you have between your biological father and your, your, um, 
your adoptive father is like, of course, of course, of course, you're feeling more about your biological father right now in this moment, right? Of yeah. course, your emotions are heightened about him because he just passed, right? Yes. Like he, uh, you are feeling all sorts of things because you are mourning him. You are, you are grieving this loss that you have that has deeply impacted you in, in a big way. But this, the steadiness of the love and affection that you feel for your adoptive father isn't threatened by the strength and overwhelmingness of the relationship or the emotions that you're feeling for your biological dad, yes. right? Like that. And I know that it kind of feels like that, but remember, right, our emotions aren't necessarily telling us something important about our values or about things that are happening to us. They're just telling us that something's hurting, right? They're just telling us that we're, that we are experiencing something. So I want to just like hold that and say like, it doesn't diminish the love that you have for your, your adoptive dad, right? It just is that maybe in comparison in this moment, it's not taking up as much of your energy and attention because obviously you need to triage this big feeling that you're feeling for, for your biological dad and and his passing. Yeah. Um, but I also think that like this feeling of feeling really guilty about leaning on your support system as well is like, is so challenging because it Mm -hmm. is like, there is a narrative that I think that I held myself to when my dad died, which was that like, oh, I should be over it at this point, <laughs> right? Like, and there's tons of reasons why I told myself that, right? Like, oh, I should have seen it coming or, uh, you know, like it wasn't, it wasn't that bad or, uh, well, my mom seems to be over it. So like, why can't I get over it? Mm. And she knew him for much longer than I did. So like, why am I still holding on to this? Right. Mm -hmm. All of these reasons why my grief was unreasonable or why it should be less than it was. Mm -hmm. And, and I got to tell you that like all of that sort of beating myself up about like the pace of my grief, the size of my grief didn't actually do anything to support me in my grieving. Right. And I, and I, it was sort of combined with this idea. Like I was telling myself over and over again, you're being ridiculous. This is too much. You should be over this by now. And I just assumed that that's what everyone else around me was also feeling. Right. I was like, yeah, they must also think that I'm being ridiculous. They must also think like, Oh God, it's been two years. Why is he still talking about his dead dad? Right. Turns out that is not actually true. <laughs> like the people around me were actually much more willing and open to be able to hold me in that grief mm-hmm. than I was. And mm-hmm. and part of it was like I had to really challenge myself to say, like, I need to change my own narrative about how I'm responding and reacting to this grief to be much more accepting of the fact that it it needs to happen, that it's important that it happens, that I deserve to be in a place where I can process through this grief so that then I could stop imposing that negative narrative that I had about myself onto other people, right? Assuming that they were feeling the exact same thing about me. Cause what actually happened was that more people actually told me they appreciated it when I shared about what I was going through and, and shared about how I was feeling with my dad because they were concerned about me. right? Right. And I was holding it all in. I was holding it all for myself because I thought that no one else could carry it. And then I had all of these loved ones around me saying like, my hands are open. I'm not going to carry the whole thing, but I can certainly carry part of it with you. Right. right? Like I, and I just couldn't, I couldn't fathom what it would feel like to break apart that grief in a way that could allow me to give it to other people and that I would just overwhelm them 
with the yeah. feelings that I had, but they were so capable of it. Yeah. That was what was beautiful about it. They were so capable and are so capable of holding it. And I'm talking about friends. I'm also talking about like random people Co-workers. that I like talk mm-hmm. to <laughs> totally. right? who are so capable of seeing saying, Oh my God, that sounds really, really hard. I yeah. will be thinking of you and holding you today yeah. on whatever day it is that you're really feeling this yeah. grief. Yeah. And I want to say it's okay if you're sad about this forever. Like there's no timeline of yep. grief. There's no limit on grief. It's okay. Like, you know, just from an outsider perspective, like this would make me sad forever that he yeah. was on yep. this path to betterment. And then that path got cut short. It will always mm-hmm. make me feel like a lover, right? Like a, like a relationship that didn't, ever reach its true potential. I will, you know, it's very natural for us to like feel sadness for the unfulfilled. And this is the Mm. ultimate, ultimate example of unfulfilled. You know, you knew what we know, what are the idea of what parents should and shouldn't be at a very young age. So this is one of your earliest heartbreaks. One of your earliest so heartbreaks that is so subconscious to your core, you know, of course you're feeling this grief, of course. And then mm-hmm. as a fellow too, I just want to say other people don't need you to dress your grief or your sadness or your struggles up in some like more palatable, fancy way. You don't need to put mm-hmm. a bow on this. You don't need to present this to other people in a way that makes you feel deserving of grieving. People are mm-hmm. ready and willing to take care of you. And even if they can't take every, like, even if they can't take care of you perfectly, that doesn't mean yep. you're less deserving. Ooh. That doesn't mean that yeah. they're less, uh, <laughs> you know, that they, that they are less, that they're not trying, you know? Yep. I think for us twos, we are so good at taking care of other people that when, when people try to take care of us and it doesn't match what we would do or how we would be emotionally available or how we would respond, it can make us feel really lonely and isolated. It's like a act of self-isolation and harm that we do to ourselves when other people don't love us perfectly while we think they're incapable of loving us, you know, for sure. Nobody's going to get what this feels like. Sam and I can empathize. Sam and I can, we can see the blueprints of how this would feel in our lives, but nobody's going to feel the grief that you feel and they don't have to in order for them to be there for you or like in order for you to feel like you have the right to be taken care of. For sure. For sure. No, absolutely. And I think that, um, I was laughing a little bit because like that was still, that is still something that I have to challenge myself to remember is that like people are really unpracticed at supporting people in grief, right? Like it is Mm -hmm. really, it is really challenging for them. And, and what is people's best doesn't feel like often the right thing. Um, And part of that is because there is no right thing, right? Right. You know what I mean? Like when you're experiencing grief, it is really, there are so many different aspects that for much of the time, no matter what someone said to me about my dad, it was the wrong thing to say, right? Like that's sort of what it felt like. Right. But also this idea of like, I had to remind myself to be receptive to people's, to people's offering of intimacy with Mm -hmm. me. Right. And that I couldn't filter it through 
this is the exact way that I want it or need it. I also had to do a little translating to help receive what they were giving me in a meaningful way. Mm-hmm. And that, that is still true. Um, and I've gotten much better at sort of asking people for what I need, but I was certainly not capable of it in the first months after my, my dad died. So right. I want to just like, I want to hold that for you and, and also like tell you like as a two as well, you don't need to do caretaking in order to receive caretaking, caretaking. right? Mm. You mm. don't need to be showing up fully right now to support your friends and all of the stuff that they're doing and helping them through all of their problems. Cause that's what twos hear or understand mm-hmm. is that like, I need to take care of other people so that I can, re- they will reciprocally take care of me. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to say in this moment that reciprocal aspect is out the door, right? Mm-hmm. Like you are, in the terms of like the triage of whose needs need to be met most immediately, it's yours. Your, your biological mm-hmm. dad just died. So I want you to, to sort of let go of that a little bit. You will always come back to that caretaking because you are a beautiful, wonderful too. And you will be able to, to give back some of what you've received from your friends, but you don't need to do it right now in this moment. Right mm-hmm. now, the focus needs to be on you doing what you need to do to get to tomorrow and then after that to the next day and then after right. that to the day after that, right? And that is a challenge right now. Um, and and that needs extra love and support from the people around you. I think also like in summary for anybody out there, you know, who uh, this is not the most relatable letter because it's so particular to the letter writer's experience, but it is relatable in that I feel like we often deny ourselves the experience, the emotions of the experiences we're experiencing, right? Because mm. we think that other people have it worse or other people won't understand or or we can't, you know, rely on other people to love us perfectly or support us or whatnot. Like, basically, if anybody's taking anything from this, letter, if there's something that you're experiencing right now that you are denying yourself, question why you are denying yourself the opportunity to feel it fully or move through it fully or express it to a loved one. There are people Mm -hmm. out there who want to try to support you in the best way that you can. um, And you deserve to reach out to your loved ones, um, to your community, to your partners, to your family. And most importantly, you deserve to be validated by yourself. This is all hard and all complicated and um, yeah. All right, my darling, thank you so much for trusting us with this letter. Um, We're thinking of you and your heart and your loved ones. um, And we hope this helps. Absolutely. Thank you so much for writing. We love you. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. If you are interested in more content from us or if you are interested in ad-free episodes, you can support us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you'll get an additional bonus weekly episode as well as access to a bunch of other perks. That's patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. You can slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship memes, but most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at justbreakuppod.com, which is also where you can find our merchandise. Please remember to like, follow, subscribe, give us a five-star rating and review and consider support. Nope. 
This literally keeps our mics on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. Just Breakup is a production of Duvid Media, original music, recording, editing, producing all magical things by our good friend Spencer Worth Davis. Make sure to check out his podcast and his music. And remember, it's okay if they don't get it. It's okay if no one else can relate to your pain or your experience. That doesn't mean you shouldn't try to be heard or understood or be taken care of. You don't have to, they don't have to get it in order to empathize. They don't have to get it in order to care for you. You're worthy of being taken care of and you're allowed to be sad. And if all else fails, just break up.